The writer's strike is over. Terms to be determined later. Burnout and Southern Pink something. And now your host, Mike Indeglio. What's up, team? That, he's not even trying. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to KM Geekly. Just a sneak peek at one geek f- <laughs> forcing another one to get on camera despite all clear indications that he is not interested <laughs> and has got other ish to do. But you know, you, you know what this you know what it means? I, I think that what we're seeing here today, friendship. That friendship. is what we are seeing mm-hmm. here today. Yeah. Uh friendship. Well we I promise look, we've promises made, promises kept, hopefully. I keep Fulfilled his promise to appear. I did. I, I am technically here. He's technically here. I promised to keep it brief. So one of us has more <laughs> one of a challenge. One of us is lying. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's 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 Monday, and we have a beautiful uh, AI generated fall background, which uh, does highlight Keith that we are in sort of what, my, um, in my opinion, I think we share this. I think we've talked about it before. The briefest of windows of my favorite season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the global warming slash uh, torture slash God's wrath has made it such that we only get fall here in the Northeast anymore for a couple weeks, if we're lucky. It should be a biting cold winter or summer in the next uh, week or two. So we'll see. Uh, so I'm enjoying it. Had coffee on the terrace with a little with a little blanket this morning. Watching CBS oh. Sunday Morning from yesterday. Really, just wonderful. Uh, not only that, but last night, Keith, we got word. That potentially uh, we might have television again. Thank goodness, because already uh, makeshift Jeopardy and uh, just random reality shows uh, isn't cutting it for those of us who enjoyed the golden age of prestige television. So let's go ahead and pop over and quickly talk about. So let me read you what we've got. All right, what we know as of an hour ago. Okay. Uh, we this just this, the WGA this has nothing to do with the SAG after just yet has reached a tentative agree- agreement about the labor dispute, which has dragged on for nearly 150 days. Thanks to the WAPO for this, Washington Post. Uh, the joint statement was released late last night, and uh, this is what was released to members. Uh, for the record, uh, it's not this. The strike is not over right now. All right, we have. No. We have paused picketing until the final agreement is all the T's are crossed and dot, I's are dotted. But uh, Adam Conover tweets, we did it. We have a tentative deal. Over the coming days, we'll discuss and vote on it together as a Democratic union. But today, I want to thank every single WGA member and, of course, podcasts who supported them. I mean, I think I think we might have tipped it over. I, I don't think there's any might necessary in that sentence. Us and our 30 viewers, man. And every fellow worker who stood with us, you made this possible. And this is what went out to members. Uh, Dear members, we have reached a tentative agreement on the new 2023 MBA, which is to say an agreement in principle on deal points. Subject to drafting final contract language, we have won in this contract. What we have won in this contract, most particularly, everything we have gained since May 2nd, is due to the willingness of this membership to exercise its power, to demonstrate solidarity, to walk side by side, to endure the pain and uncertainty of the past 146 days it is the leverage generated by your strike in concert with the extraordinary support of our union siblings that we are officially part of, Keith, and that finally brought the companies back to the table to make a deal. We can say with great pride that this deal is exceptional. 
with meaningful gains and predictions for writers in every sector of the membership. It sounds to me, Keith, as if the studio's surprise recognize that they don't have much uh, without content. And uh, yeah. writers tend to be necessary in said content. And I'm really interested to read what this has, what what gains we made when it comes to AI, which is something we spent a lot of time talking yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, what else was here? What does this mean for the TV shows that were affected by the strike? Well, settling the WJA strike means that writers can resume writing scripts, which should help ease the growing backlog of delayed TV and film projects that have piled up since we voted to strike in May. Many reality shows and other projects don't rely on striking actors may resume production immediately. Uh, Variety reports that Hollywood studios began planning this week for a return to production anticipation of an agreement being reached, which means the studios were <laughs> sending out little memos <laughs> saying, we're ready to do this deal. Uh, but it may take a while for some of your favorite TV shows and movies to resume filming, particularly if the actor strike is not resolved. I'm curious as to see how quickly SAG comes back to the table if it's... Uh, but they need their own agreement, so that's it. Could be yeah. A, I mean, whole it's, separate a, thing. it's a separate thing, and I think from the uh, from the studio's per perspective, the SAG one is probably more consequential because just because there are many more performers than there are writers, um, and so I think that that one might be a little bit harder. And I wonder if the um, if SAG continues to get blocked out, whether the WGA as a sympathetic union might go back and uh, go back and strike with them once again. Um, but I, I, I don't say this knowing anything, just pure speculation. Yeah. My speculation would be actually would be the opposite. It feels to me as if because of the sort of memos that went out and how coordinated all of these announcements were last yeah. night, that it's, they must the, have something. The dominoes are ready to all come down. And I think that the studio's, because because the other, the work that needs to be done, and I don't think it's as hard a lift here, is they have to undo the really terrible press and the really terrible sort of wi uh, ill will that was kind of warranted about this. As uh, people, television shows being pushed, pulled, movies being delayed. I mean, yeah. Although I say that and knowing full well that the general public, the general consumption public doesn't give a crap about any of this stuff. Uh, as soon as the TV is no, available, but, uh, they will go watch it. So. But it's almost like uh, professional writers and performers are good at representing themselves in the public, though, yeah. and are and tend to be pretty persuasive because that's what they do for a living. Yeah. So you know, this is um, this is the way it's supposed to work. I, I hesitate to say to paint with such a broad brush, but uh, I think the at their best, unions strike when the when the balance is completely shifted out of power. And uh, can only assert their their strength as a combined union, as a combined force, with solidarity of the other unions. Is what we saw in this yep. case. 146 days is a long time to be out of work. Uh, you might uh, think about your job. What if you just left for 146 days? Uh, but now the agreements are in place. Hopefully, we've gained. I'm really excited to see what we've gained because look, the future is approaching. We have to start future-proofing the way we protect creatives and we protect art. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see and, it. And I think, you know, uh, there's, a, there's an auto workers strike going on, um, you know, and I think, hey, uh, do you enjoy your weekend? Thank a union. Yeah. Because there was no such thing before unions. Um, but here's, and, and so I, I think that um, unions are having a bit of a resurgence 
right now because you know there there's one side of the political spectrum has been undermining and trying to get rid of unions for the last hundred years mm-hmm. since you know the uh, the Great Depression <laughs> yeah. that was caused by not having unions. Um, but I here's a, I heard this on five thirty eight uh, podcast about this. They're doing a little quiz about just information. And Mike, what would you guess the percentage of workers in America that are represented by a union? I'd have to say it's probably much lower than we think, right? So good what, guess thirty percent, eleven point three percent. That's yikes! It. Yikes! Yikes is right. Uh, hopefully, I mean, I think unions are tremendously important, and I think. Uh, you know, perhaps the income inequality that we have built in this society over the last hundred years, uh, I think that's really the only way we're going to get it back. You know, a big one. Continuing to unionize. Not a conversation uh, that we'll all pontificate about too much right now, but I will say one of my favorite things we talk about it on the show often is video games and AAA video games right now is become one of the, one of the, if not, I think it's like the second just global media thing as as far as just income and income generation is concerned but what a lot of these uh, companies do is they hire a ton of people to crunch these games out and the second they're released they fire everybody or they lay them off yeah no they need they they absolutely need a union yeah they are not unionized and there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these of these incredible skilled artists who just get screwed because there's no protections for them and so i hope that's the next thing and it's it's sad this past two months there have been like four studios that have either laid off everyone or closed entirely. One of my favorite games this year, I haven't had a chance to talk about it yet, I will. It's called, it's by a, a, a studio called Mimi Studios. Mimi Me, Mimi Me Studios. They do like uh, sort of tactics slash uh, covert stealth games. Really fun with fun aesthetics. We'll talk about one of them coming up. Anyway, they just had to shut down entirely. They just released sort of their masterpiece game, I think, and had to shut down because they just can't or to pay mm. everybody, so sad. Anyway, good news. Hopefully, the good news will continue, Keith. But in its interim, I did get a chance to check some stuff out on television this week that I wanted to talk about and share with y'all. Uh, I'm going to hit this button here to to, to 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 transition. Hopefully, maybe. Ooh, I can't wait. No, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pop it over. Um, <laughs> so two shows. Uh, First, I want to talk about the Murdaugh Murders, A Southern Scandal. This is the Netflix version of the sort of docuseries is that had I was going to say, this, is fami- this guy's familiar, right? Didn't yes. we watch something? We did. We watched season one. <laughs> and season one oh, was... Oh, there's a season two. Yeah, all about... This is on Netflix. This was all about the Murdaugh family down in, in the South and how there's all kinds of crazy stuff was happening. And then the, the wife and the son got murdered. And you might have seen it all over the news because the trial was like two months ago, three months late. And... Season one was pretty cool. There was also an HBO version of this, and I think also like a something on Hulu about it. So that you, your cup runneth over if you want more details on this case. And season one was pretty good. It was all about kind of the backstory. But what I was upset about was that the the trial was happening, and for me, my favorite, some of my favorite parts about true crime is like following the trial. So what season two does, and I love it. They are there are three one hour episodes, so it's just three hours of your time. They take the trial, which has ended, right? They take it from start to finish. They basically, it's basically a procedural drama of the entire trial. They have interviews with both prosecutors, uh, the defense attorney, and a bunch of the witnesses. 
and they do a timeline and they intersperse actual B-roll and actual inf- information that kind of fills in the testimony and shows it and talks to some jurors. Oh, it's just great coverage. It's like everything you hear in a really good trial podcast, but in a visual form. Mm. I think it's better than season one because it's much more concise and much more complete. Uh, so Murder Murders, Southern Scandal, season two on Netflix. If you already know stuff about the case, I'd say skip season one. Just go right for the trial bits. It's the best part. Interesting. Also, also Keith, you ever watch R- Ryan Murphy's American Horror Story? Have you ever been jumped in at any point? I think I I watched like the first half of season one, mm-hmm. like the Dimmit Murder House, Dylan McDermott one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I watched. I don't know if I got all the way to the end of it, but I did watch. I've seen a lot of the Ryan Murphy stuff. I didn't ever really got myself too far into the horror. So, I loved the first three seasons of this show. Uh, you've got it was Murder House, then it was Asylum, which was like probably maybe the best. Then we had Coven. And then there was Hell Hotel, which I watched. I watched like the first five seasons. The thing about this show is that they, we talk on this our other show about tonal inconsistencies. There are a lot of tonal inconsistencies in these shows. They go from horror to like black comedy to sort of satire. And also within the arcs of the seasons, they'd sometimes change plots entirely or drop subplots or like you, you can't always get from the first couple episodes what the show's even about, right? Which... Mm. It doesn't always work for me, but if you're in, you kind of roll with it, right? It's very soap opery in that in that way. The f- past nine seasons have been pretty wholly unremarkable, with the exception of one season called 1984, which was like a slasher camp, an 80s sl- camp slasher horror. Oh, well, that uh, one sounds fun. Vibe, yeah, it was really well done. It it. He hits all the points of of pastiche of that kind of slasher I, genre. I do love 80s slasher stuff. I know you do. I, really and I think do. of all yeah. American Horror Stories, that's like the one you would like, I think. So anyway, I haven't watched the past three seasons, just kind of have been out. And I just, you know, by the 12th season of anything, you're lucky if it's going to be good. So I decided I'll watch the pilot. And even though I just said you can't really judge from the pilot, if you're not even remotely interested, you, there's probably little chance it's going to grab you later. So I figured, I'll give it an hour. Me and Jen watched the first five minutes, and she checked out. So I decided late at night I would just finish it up on my iPad. So I watched the 12th season. It's called Delicate. Here's the basic plot summary, y'all. Uh, Emma Roberts, one of the kind of... They do a lot of using the same... Uh, he has his... Uh... Yeah, his, his rogues gallery, if you will. Uh, she is a really busy actress... And she is trying to find time to have maybe have a child, uh, even though her career is taking off. So she gets uh, inseminated by what appears to be, uh, with a broad stroke, I'll paint it, maybe the devil's seed? Oh, well, you okay, know. Okay, so that that could lead As to one does. Great, great horror, potentially. Uh, and her, Keith, this also marks her publicist, who we meet in the first episode, is played by the acting debut of none other than Kim Kardashian. Oh, golly. And I'm going to say it right here on the internet. It is maybe one of the worst things I've ever seen. It is so coached, and she's, and listen, God bless her. She she didn't just, like, go wing it. She took acting lessons. She really coached up for this, and you see every second of that work, Keith. You just see someone crunching it along. It does not help that the dialogue for her is absolutely trash panda. Uh, 
it is so cringe. Look, I even love bad stuff, but it's so are, cringe. Are we Paris Hilton in House of Wax here? Ooh, I don't, it, I feel bad because she is clearly really trying. But the script is bad. The, everything is bad. And I can't believe that the se- seasons I like were even good. I have to like go rewatch them to be like, was I just oh, wrong? Oh no, it's, it's that, that bad? bad. It's really bad. And I, I'm happy because I don't have to watch it now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's so much stuff. I, I like I what I can rule things happening. out. I can't believe it's happening. We almost never pan stuff. Um, no, I, and I wouldn't even bring it up other than like, these are the only things I watched this week outside of football. And so I had to mention it. It Look, it's bad. Y'all, save your time. Even, I don't, do not watch this. <laughs> don't even, wow. maybe watch some clips of Kim Kardashian just to be like, wow, that's really mm-hmm. happened. But uh, yeah, so anyway, I'm gonna put a button on it there. But listen, Murdoch Murders, check it out. AHS, I saved you an hour of your life. Wow, wow, okay. Well, there was, because you almost had me like, you know, sniffing back in because. No. Go watch 1984 I, though, it's pretty good. I've liked some some Ryan Murphy stuff a great deal. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, um, I like the bo- both of like the um, like the the docu murder stuff, the OJ the, thing, uh, the OJ thing, and then the follow up um, Menendez the, brothers. Oh, I didn't see the Menendez one. Is there a Menendez that. one? I, I think so. Um, Maybe I'm just the, naming trials. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> OJ and OJ two and uh, civil OJ. Um, that uh, Anthony the. You know, he murdered, God, just not ready to perform today. <laughs> um, what was the... It um, is, there is a Menendez. So we have Monster 2, the Ryan okay. Murphy's. So what was Monster 1? Uh, oh. what, Jeffrey Dahmer? Oh, I saw some of the Dahmer stuff. It was pretty... You know, honestly, the Dahmer thing was just a little too dark, even for me. Okay. It was just like, oh man, this is sort of relentless. Uh, it was an American Crime Story. Oh yeah, the first. It was, oh, damn it. The one. Hold on, I'm I'm looking. I, I no, I I really liked the uh, the Clinton one. Oh yeah, 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 that was right with uh, that, Sarah Paulson, right? No, she was she was Marsha Clark in OJ. She was Marsha Clark, but she was Linda Tripp in uh, impeachment. In that it was one. called impeachment which i thought was pretty i mean i tell you what that my whole concept of that i, I think oh it was it was the uh versace one uh, the Andrew i did not watch one. that one with, i thought that was great travolta travolta no um i'm confusing them all this is terrible podcast <laughs> <laughs> darren chris ricky martin edgar ramirez um i thought that was excellent a who's who of uh television stars 80s pop stars turned television personalities. Will Chase, hmm? Broadway's Will Chase, got some got some good good folks. But Darren Chris was terrific in that. Anyway, well, I, I guess there's more. I gotta go. I gotta go watch it. I have to. Uh, I have to re up my Netflix. I think that's my problem. Keith, I also went to see Pink in concert, the Summer Carnival tour. Oh, that's right. You told me you're gonna do that. Yeah, it was like the most random thing, y'all. So my. My niece is really into Pink because there is a documentary, which I haven't watched yet. If there's a documentary about like a tour documentary with Pink, it's supposed to be absolutely fantastic. So I will check that out. But uh, it was their big Christmas present. My brother and his wife spent a bunch of money to get tickets to Pink because she's from Philadelphia. And so this was her big summer tour was coming to an end in Philadelphia, big homecoming. The, the 
Citizens Bank Park holds about 48,000 people, and there were about 68, there's about 20,000 20, extra people at this concert. Um, Pink is a global superstar, I know that, but I guess I just didn't, and I know all her songs, but I just didn't know, I just didn't know. So anyway, uh, my nieces got sick or something, and my brother and his wife call me, they're like crying, because they spent all this money, and day of the concert, you can't get your money back. You, you can sell them for like a quarter of their price, but... So anyway, like, you guys want to go? And I was like, yeah, I guess we'll go. Cool. Like, when when is the concert? And he's like, we're 10 minutes from your house. And I was like, oh, okay. So we had to, like, radically, that's why I texted you. We had, like, had to radically change our day. Oh, my God. So we go to this concert, oh. and, like, my brother's already Poor in a bad nieces. mood. Yeah, they're in MB. They can't take any pictures or, like, enjoy, outwardly enjoy it because it's, like, someone else's. Pre- anyway, we go. At great seats. And it was, it was a great concert. It was really great. But what Pink does that nobody else does, right? There are superstars. But she's also an aerialist, great dancer, yes. great singer. She's an aerialist, and I'd seen cuts of it and different stuff. But what I, what you can't comprehend, and look, you've been to the circus, everyone, or you've seen Cirque du Soleil stuff. Like, you've seen aerialists do their things before, and and so you think you know the the vibe of it, the risk-reward of it, the sort of artistry of it. I'm not underselling any of that or any other performance, but I will say what you've never seen is someone who will do it, even Lady Gaga, when she like leapt from the top of the stadium, like in that Super Bowl performance, mm-hmm. Pink's big finale here is she's on a harness, right? But the harness is is attached to five anchor points at the top of a baseball stadium. So like picture a baseball stadium, and then when she sings the chorus of the song, it zips her to the top of the baseball stadium, three hundred, really? four hundred feet in the air. I don't even know how big is a baseball, how tall is a baseball stadium? And then, Keith, it starts, because, like, you know, when you go see a stadium concert, there's 65,000 people there. You're far away. She flies around the entire circumference of the stadium, like, up to the 300 levels. So you're like, there's pink right there. And she's just, like, <laughs> singing. And 500 feet in the air. Like, who, what insurance company signed off on this nonsense? Like, she's a global superstar. It's like, Psh! so anyway. That's really cool. Spectacular. Even more spectacular. All of the people who left three songs before that. Because they're like, we got to beat traffic, right? And you're like, what are you thinking? You know the best thing is going to happen last. And they're just like, people had were in the parking lot. That was yeah. awesome. And then and, and lastly, I'll, I'll put a point on it here is, you can love music. You can love somebody's music or not love somebody's music. But what's interesting is that it's not always talent, or not just talent, I should say, that separates a popular musician or a talented musician. It, it takes something special to make someone a global superstar, right? It's not just like great marketing, <laughs> right, that just makes somebody. Like your Puff Daddies or your, or your, or your Jay-Zs or these, these like your Taylor Swifts, there's something about their charisma they call it it factor, whatever, that changes you from like, oh, the teeny boppers love her too. People will pay $1,200 a ticket, 70,000 people in every city. So Pink's draw, apparently, her take home, right? Not not the maiden draw, but her, ta- not the gate. Her draw is 3 million to 6 million per city. Oof. And that's that pales in comparison to Taylor Swift, who basically single-handedly saved musical touring this year. But just by showing how profitable it can be, so 
that's the cool thing to watch, right? Just like someone who can have like a casual charismatic conversation on stage in front of 70,000 people and like connect to these people. It's a really magical thing to watch. And it's a that's a really cool rig because it's basically the Spider-Man. Yes. The, the, broad, the Broadway Spider-Man mm -hmm. rig, which allowed you sort of free motion throughout the, the whole space there. But what's crazy about what she's doing is that it took Spider-Man like a year and a half to get it right in one static area. Yeah, and still she broke to, every couple to, nights. Oh yeah, on I, I saw it break. Um, but if they have to re-rig re that for every stadium that she's in and every stadium is different. All the dimensions are different. The obstacles are different. Uh, that's a really she has to impressive... feel comfortable to go up and do it. Right. That's that's a very impressive like technical feat that they're able to tour that concept. All right. So uh, that you know, briefly, I'll just say um, we went and played poker last night with a bunch of my friends while watching football, and it's uh, friendship, y'all. That's really really nice. Uh, <laughs> pretty magical, <laughs> I will say. Um, it's good to have friends. No, it's good. And my wife is leaving for a few months to do a show in New York, um, which I think I can say now. She's doing a. She's doing. A, yeah, cast has been announced. She hasn't though, because she hasn't signed any papers. But I think it's. Oh, I think that's all taking place. But regardless, she's doing it. It's called. Um, I can get it for you wholesale. It's a revival mm -hmm. of a sh of a show that played on Broadway very briefly, but it was it was Barbara Streisand's first big role. So Jen's gonna be a swing in that, um, which is a. A challenging thing to do. I don't know if we ever talked about it on the show. It's, I've done it a couple times. You're basically understudying three parts, but you're not in the ensemble, so you're off stage. So you mm -hmm. basically go to work every day, just kind of. Well, if you're my wife, hoping you know, being prepared and ready and professional to go on if necessary, or if you're me, crapping your pants for an hour every night, just desperately praying, praying you <laughs> won't no happen. One is gonna feel sick that night. So. Uh, congratulations to CEO Jen. I think, and she's heading off, so we're going to spend as much time as we can together this week. So I guess that's how you use my weekly rad. Keith. No, that's no, that's that's awesome. I mean, no, I mean, understudying swinging is terrifying. I mean, I I did uh, only done it a couple of times when I, I was doing summer stock, I don't know, fifteen years ago. We're doing producers, Ooh. right? And and so I was doing the sort of like all the character featured ensemble stuff, but I was covering. Both Franz and the Nathan Lane role. That's a gargantuan and cover, too. Gargantuan role. And the problem is, I didn't get cast in that until like two weeks before the show happened. Because I was doing Les Mis, the show before it. And they're like, oh, we need another guy. You want to come do this show? I'm like, sure. Do the next show in the season. And then like, oh, we want you to cover these two roles. And I was not prepared. Like, that would have mm. been an absolute disaster. And like, and the guy who was doing Max, the Nathan Lane role, was like he was he was an older guy, and like I'm like, is he gonna, is he like, we're, everyone was a little concerned he was gonna make it through every night, and I'm I'm dying on the inside. So I Jen's ability to do that, uh, you know, Jillian did the same thing, you know, she she covered two roles as an as an offstage swing on Broadway, and it was just like, God, terrifying, and sometimes. You just don't get the rehearsal and time to plan for yeah, that well, that's, that you think you know, you're going what's to. What's interesting here is that she's so they they've been in rehearsal. The show's been rehearsing because it goes up at the end of October. They're not even bringing the swings in until Tech Week, which is oh. the week before the show opens. So that's how they save money by not letting the understudies even be in the rehearsal room. So they save money 
Oh, but their cell, which makes sense, because I'll say that I swung a, a tour of Forever Plaid, which is one of is a very tight four part harmony show, and I covered three of the tracks. Right, so jeez, oh, which is weird because Jinx wasn't covered. It was like a contractual thing. He was. So he was like, mm. I'm not going to be sick. So basically, we'd have to shut the show down if Jinx went out, but long story short. Everyone else, that's really weird. It really sucked. But keeping all that straight in your head, all those harmonies and everything, luckily there's not a strong choreography in that show, so I can't imagine people who have to learn multiple choreos. That's anyway, so hard. They also say, it, you know, it's much easier for some people to learn a show once it's set, because in rehearsal, a lot of things can change, and they, they do this, and then they go back the other way. So if you're just sitting right. back, everything's mirrored, and you're just sitting there trying to remember it and then change it and scratch it out. So it might be easier to go and just watch how it's set and be like, this is how it's going to be, memorize this, but it's still a short period of time. Anyway, Keith, you have anything else you want to talk yeah, about? Yeah, well, and you're also responsible for like being ready to go first preview. Yeah, because anything could happen. Oh, yeah. because Anything could happen. There, there's this like disease that was like around. I don't know. What, really? Yeah. What, what is this? Yeah, no, it's a, uh, yeah, it's it's craziness. Yeah, I'm glad. I, this is one of the main reasons I'm really glad to uh, not be performing as much mm -hmm. anymore. Keith, speaking of having right. so much to do that, like sometimes maybe it's too much. Do you have anything you want to, you know, talk? Yeah. About? Well, no. I well, <laughs> it's so funny. Like, is there weekly rat? I'm so burned out. I can't even tell you exactly why I'm burned out. That's what burnout is. Am. Yeah. I like I'm. I've been pet sitting. Um. And like I I I love I love this dog and and I love you know a pretzel, but I I think I'm codependent with animals. Mm. So like I feel like this outsized sense of responsibility. Oh, are you bored? Are you tired? Do you have to pee? Oh God! And then I can't ever turn it off uh, until I get really comfortable with an animal. So I think that's a. So I don't know if it's a weekly rad. It's just a weekly thing that is happening. I had um, that you know the exact same thing because my uh, my wife's friends were in town this week and I love them, and they their kid was here and I the kid's awesome. I love the kid. Uh, he will be ours if anything ever happened to them. Jen and I people Jen and I are the couple people pick to uh give their child to if they die in a horrific way so we'd have to deal with all that trauma um apparently they think we're <laughs> they think we're equipped for that <laughs> so your your complaint is not being the godparents to children it's just like now that you know they're going to be screwed up because their parents just died yeah, in a balloon there's accident. no there's no good outcome in this scenario so we'll, we'll take your kids yeah. if they're in a good mood that's <laughs> funny my friend wes where who's he also we also are his kids like because they're like, our parents will be too old. We want you and Jenna. I was like, oh, that's great. He's like, don't worry, there's a trust. And I was like, okay, great. <laughs> I hope I would hope so, because uh, we have to pay for his oh, therapy. Well, in yeah. that case. <laughs> Drink this tea. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so they were here, and same thing. Um, it's funny, people think it's like, oh, you're so OCD about your stuff. You're always like, when people hear you're cleaning up stuff, it's like, no, 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 it has nothing to do with my OCD. I just don't want to hurt them. Or like, I want the kid to be mm. entertained, so I want to play with this. Like, I don't want any, I can't. Handle still down, OCD, but it's a little that too. Uh, I can't handle downtime, right? Like, I like, oh, I don't want them to be bored. I don't want them to think we're bad guests. I don't think we're no fun. But same exact thing you're describing. And so when they leave, they were here for a day. You're exhausted. Exhausted. I get it. And, but I, I think what you just said about not being able to handle downtime is also what I'm dealing with because, like, I'm, I, you know, I'm really, I've been, you know, I've said many times, I'm, I'm working on a new project, which I'm so excited about, and I, and I think it's, it's been really fun. I like the work that I'm doing on it. But I think I'm putting so much pressure on myself on this project that, like, I I realized I tried to um, 
on on Saturday, right? After we we did our shows, and I'm like, you need to not work on it for the next like eight hours before you go to bed. And what I did is I but I found myself like, okay, I'm not gonna write, not gonna sit down, not gonna work on new lyrics. But then I just did, and then I, I thought about it the whole time, and then I just kept researching. Mm-hmm. And I and I realized like I need to reboot a little bit because I think uh, I think I think I am getting burned out. No one no one is putting this pressure on me no. to get this done this fast. No one no one is saying you must do this. And it's like it's part. I'm just really excited about it. And mm-hmm. I think that when I'm really excited and I, and I get in that flow state and I don't want to stop and I want to go, I want to go, I want to go, and I don't really have an off switch. So that I, it, it is 24 seven in your, in my mind, in the middle of the night, I'm writing down ideas in my phone. Like I can't stop. Well, um, you know, dude, is like you, you have to really kind of think about the other projects you've worked on in your life and like how old you were when you worked on those, because you are obsessive. Right, I think it's fair to say with your work. I think that's fair, and that's, fair. that's not a pejorative, but self care takes a more important meaning because working that hard, you don't come up for air, and unfortunately, you need air. You know what I mean? That's yeah. like the long and short of it, right? And you know, like I'm not gonna, I'm not your therapist, so like you know the like added pressure you put on with some of these things because you compare it to like what it should do or what you hope it will do, and like all of the. The, the life it may have that you have no control over. Like, so yeah. that ain't for me to deal with. But the simple, like, sometimes you got to eat and drink and, like, sleep and take care of yourself. That's just stuff you have to force upon yourself because otherwise you will end up in said state. No, and I, and I, <clears throat> and I totally get it. And it's, and, and what I, what I realize is not that I'm not enjoying working on it. It's just I'm feeling a, the overwhelmed. By yeah. like everything, yeah, and so like literally everything. Oh my god, I have to get up and turn the microwave on. Ah, it's too much, right? And it's like I'm not even doing anything. Well, let me um, let me let me just commiserate for a second then on the podcast because you're not the only one. So I mentioned a couple of times, like I just bit off this cruise show that's coming up, and I just have this. It's weird. It's like I'm I I I think I want to do it, I, or I I should want to do it, right? <laughs> Should, yeah. And so I, f- I think, well, I'm going to commit to it so that it will force myself to have to learn it and to sing again and to do the stuff, which is something I need to do because I have a tendency. I, I, my executive dysfunction helps me. I don't follow through with some things that I say I'm going to do. Mm. Um, but there are times in life as you get older and as priorities shift, as we've talked about, maybe I don't want to do it. And what I've come to is I don't want to do this thing. And so I've been putting it off. And I can learn it pretty quickly. I just don't kind of don't want to. Unfortunately, I've committed to this and I'm not going to pull out of it. So I now have like two and a half weeks to learn two full shows with all the stupid choreo. Um, And I've got to now do it. Like when we finish this, I have to like make a cup of coffee, clear out the office and like boot camp myself because I have to do it. And I'm just, there's so much other stuff I have to do. Anyway, in times like this, folks, what is important is gratitude. And so I want to quickly spend a moment talking about gratitude. As you might see, the slide is filling up a little bit. We've had some new people join the team. It might help that we've lowered our cost of entry to the Patreon to $1. <laughs> but it's because we enjoy more names and more family and more faces. So I want to read off these people who we I can't express to you how much we appreciate. People send us stuff in the mail. We spent the weekend playing with toys because of these fine folks. Brian Kimball, Beersock, Casey Clark, Jason Moe. Welcome back, Jason. Welcome Joshua back. Cronin. 
Andrew Hayes, Jorge Navoa, and The Mysterious. And thanks so much for all you write and everything you do. You're awesome. Worf's Big Old Boot Chips. Thank you. Charles Babbage, Richard Coleman, Harry Pothead, Peter Benke. Welcome to the family. CRM Productions, Nikolai Ivanovich Lobachevsky, Delusions at Noon, Steve Brown, YouTube viewer, James Hubbard, he's here, Lisa Kislova, she's here, and then JD Makes, oh my goodness, did he send us the coolest stuff in the mail, check out, <laughs> look at my Star Trek toys, Colin Dagan, oh my god, Same I, thing. the night the nightlight is glowing right now, Chris Mitchell, CRM, who, Keith, the second he saw me break the leg on my figure, wrote me and said, hey, I've got the 3D print if you need a new one, I did fix them. <sighs> My leg's a little stiff now. I lost a little articulation, but it is intact. We all do as we get older. Pat and Joshua Cronin. Guys, talk about uh, just a great group of people. If you want to join that team, it's only a dollar. It doesn't have to be just a dollar. I'm just saying that's the the price. That's the bar, okay? Uh, Patreon.com slash K&M. Keith and I are planning something fun for the spooky season, but I'm not committing to anything just yet until everybody... Takes over until someone's butt unclenches. <laughs> <laughs> wow, who could you be talking about? And we could all take a deep breath and enjoy a, enjoy a nice frosty beverage together. Let's get out of here. Under 40 minutes. I think that's what Woo. I promised. Uh, listen, everybody, take care of yourselves. If you need to take a break from watching YouTube videos, if you need a break from anything, doesn't matter. Do what you need to do for yourself, but. Keep doing the things you have fun. Don't let anybody yuck your yum. Until we talk again, keep on geeking on. Mm-hmm.